Hello, and welcome to the Plant a Trillion Tree podcast. I'm Eva Monheim. And I'm Hal Rosner. We're both certified arborists, credentialed by the International Society of Arboriculture. The purpose of our podcast is to encourage tree planting and proper tree care for our urban forest, which includes neighborhoods, parks, and other open space. We'll also cover the importance of the already existing tree cover and the benefits. So welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us. For our initial launch of the Planet Trillion Trees podcast, we have Mindy Maslin joining us. Mindy works for the Pennsylvania Horticulture Society and is known as the Tree Lady, the title given to her when she founded Tree Tenders back in 1993. Tree Tenders is one of the oldest volunteer urban tree care programs in the country, and the education program has been adopted throughout the state of Pennsylvania. It's also found in many other states throughout the U.S., Mindy, we're delighted you could join us. Welcome to our podcast. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so I've been with the Pennsylvania Horticultural Society for 30 years and started the tree tender program um, about 29 years ago. I came to PHS not knowing a lot about trees, but being very passionate about the environmental benefits that they offer. Uh, so in that time that... Um, when we developed the tree tender program, which teaches everything from tree biology, um, how trees grow, what stresses them out, how to identify them, and um, and then the organizing component of how to make trees a an issue, a political issue in your community, how to how to turn them into a uh, a tool for organizing your neighborhood to make the neighborhood better. So kind of put that whole program together, Um, in the last 29 years we've trained uh, through our nine-hour training about about 5,400 tree tenders from close to 100 neighborhoods in Philadelphia and about 60 or maybe more in the counties. And they've been they've been very effective in in planting trees in Philly and and, and also in, in being advocates. So that's my background. And I know that you come from a, a, you were a social worker, is that correct? Yeah, so my degree was in social work. I, um, after high school, got to be a VISTA volunteer in Iowa, uh, organizing low-income tenants, and then came back and worked uh, for the League of Conservation Voters as a canvas director, um, organizing political campaigns around environmental issues and supporting environmental candidates. And then became a social worker and worked at uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters for about four years before coming to PHS. Well, I th- I think that's really wonderful. How you know, don't you think trees are also social when we think about when we think about what Mindy just said that she she did social work? Yeah, all of a sudden, I mean, the meaning of trees is uh, growing exponentially. Uh, one might just say like a very happy roots system spreading out in all directions. Um, it's almost as if trees are, are uh, well, not to diminish it, but having their moment here. I, as an icebreaker, even though I, like you, Eva, know Mindy for a couple decades. Mindy, what's your favorite tree? 
Uh, so I would have to say that my favorite tree is, and I want to say an oak tree because of all the environmental benefits, and I love oaks, and if I can sit under an oak, I'm, I'm happy. Uh, but I also have this really sweet spot in my heart for ginkgo trees. Uh. And, and um, I actually once wrote a story about ginkgo trees uh, called Dinosaur Breath, about how ginkgo trees and their berries um, were the real reason why dinosaurs with their big feet stamping on them, uh, that's what, what actually killed them off. And not many people know that, but um, that's my theory. <laughs> so that was the story I wrote, Dinosaur Breath, and I think I traded for their history, uh, for their, uh, their value, their, um, their health benefits, and for their leaves. I love doing art projects with ginkgo leaves. They really do have a following. There's a couple of uh, Twitter accounts uh, run by ginkgo fanatics, and worldwide, uh, a truly amazing tree and uh haven't they worked out pretty well as a uh, street tree in philadelphia they are so environmentally tolerant i mean tolerant of, of pretty much anything that philadelphia streets will will put at them so yes salt, compaction pollution um cars running into them we had a ginkgo across the street from me that was run over by a neighbor and we righted it. It was just a few years old. Uh, we righted it, and I never, never skipped a beat. That's awesome. And I think we're doing some uh, ginkgo uh, rehab in your very backyard. Yes, we are. We uh, we have a tree that was topped about ten years ago by another tree falling on it, and it this summer is um, is stressing a bit. But Hal's giving some advice, and we're giving it lots and lots of. PLC and hopefully it'll come back. Just to step off a little bit for an arborist uh, technique of the day since uh, we're recording on the last day of July and it, we've had 21 days in July of over 90 degrees. Yeah. And I keep in some mystical fashion uh, sensing the trees. All they really want right now is water. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I say that, it's almost cartoonish to think of someone standing there <laughs> with the garden hose uh, and the nozzle just blasting a hard stream off the turf. You have to massage that soil and lovingly get that water down to the uh, root system and think about, you know, generously replenishing powdery uh, root zone soil. Yeah. But I digress. Yeah. No, no, this is a good point, and the only thing I'd, I'd, uh, I'd say is uh, get rid of the turf altogether. That's what I would say, too. Yes, I totally yes. agree with you. Nothing yes. more satisfying than to haul that five-gallon bucket out to the street. It's been done for hundreds of years, or at least 100 years in Philly, right? And uh, pouring that bucket right down through the decomposing wood chips down to the root zone of that uh, five-year-old neck. Macchia amaranth planted by tree tenders in 2002. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, you know what I really love about ginkgo. Now that we're on ginkgo, I love the new variations that 
ginkgo has been exhibiting. Um, the variegated forms, there's there's one that I love called WB, which is just witch's broom. Um, it's a wide, a short tree that acts more like a shrub than a than a tree. Gets to be about 25 feet tall. And of course, um, there's just uh, a whole host of different ones like Princeton Century and and, and the list goes on of the different forms that this, the tree takes on uh, in the environment, which is amazing to me uh, for one species to have so many different variations. So that's an underwire ginkgo that you're exactly. About. It is. It is <laughs> an underwire under the telephone and electric line wires. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, wow. So, um, I you know. I worked with you a little bit with uh, tree tenders. I think it was for like maybe two or three years. And mm -hmm. I learned a lot because I was taking care of the county out, outside of Philadelphia. And it was amazing how, um, how well received the program was because it had such a fabulous, has it has such a fabulous reputation for getting uh, people activated in their communities. And uh, one of the things that I found to be really beneficial was to get people that were uh, living in, um, you know, the homeowners associations, getting people in those organizations to be part of tree tenders so that they could uh, really teach their fellow neighbors how to plant a tree, um, make, their, make their organization better and stronger and their properties better. Um, yeah. So... I can't talk enough about uh, tree tenders uh, from what I know and from what I've done with you and your team. Um, it's it's great organization and great, great. Team, yeah, I mean, the team honestly is only as strong as our partners. So what you brought to the program, um, it was it's just amazing. And, um, and that's because you have an understanding not only of trees, but also of people. And without knowing anything about trees and create this program because it is so much about people and um, and knowing you know how to how to get someone to you know it's like it's that 15 second elevator speech that you need to convince a person that this is something that's relevant to them and, and since there are so many benefits of trees it's easy to find something for everyone you know, whether they're interested in improving business districts or their kids' uh, their kids' educational opportunities because the kid has attention deficit disorder, or they like fishing and want better stream water uh, quality. I mean, it depends. It's re regardless of what you care about. There's always something about trees that is relevant to somebody, and. Um, yeah, so I applaud you, you know, you know, that you are one of the people that, you know, made this program successful. Oh, I, I thank you for that. And I, but I, I just had fun doing it because, you know, seeing the awe on people's faces, especially, especially younger people who would come. And I, I think they're, what was the age cutoff that I think it was like 13 or 14, something like that, or was it older? Uh, uh, I mean, we said 16, except for, for the classes that we had on Saturdays. Right. And, That's okay. Yeah. And if somebody wanted to come and they were under the age, but they really wanted to come, then, of course, uh, they were allowed. 
Um, now, do you have a program for um, elementary school students at all, or is that something that might be in the works if you don't have it, or is that, um, I just wanted to know if you have curriculum for that. Yeah, yeah. Before I say that, though, I do want to go back and say that um, Hal also taught for the Tree Thunder class. Yes. And it's this incredible, incredible arborist that also, and, and you know, this is the amazing thing is how many tree people are out there that are really people people, too, and, and can teach this, this stuff. So I just wanted to give a shout out for Hal for that. And um, I think it, we're all doing a good job giving each other shout out. <laughs> If not us, then who, right? A mutual admiration <laughs> society. <laughs> well, just to uh, blast it out, uh, you know, or, or I, I think, Mindy, we were talking recently about, you know, Tree Tenders just works so well in the city of Philadelphia. And then now that, you know, we're, Eva and I are pushing forward with a, a, a podcast that we, you know, courageously titled The Planet Trillion Trees. This is becoming something that, you know, is part of the discourse among scientists and uh, the need to, uh, you know, look at the science and realize we've got to strengthen and maintain canopy worldwide. Any way you could connect the dots on that? Um, connect to the dots with... Well, just tree tenders acting locally and then... What do we do in terms of uh, helping people in other communities come around to those realizations, to the enlightenment that you know, we're also lucky to experience? Yeah, so I think that that you know that's always the you know the the, the zillionth tree question. <laughs> what you know? How do we get how do we get people that aren't believers to understand the importance of this and um, you know, sometimes I, I come back to uh, it's it, it's creating a sea change. It's it's having people understand the trees are not a nicety. They are a nicety, but they're not just a nicety. They're an integral part of the infrastructure, and need to be treated that way. Uh, they need to be. You're, you're not going to look at a block and say, "Well, I don't really want a fire hydrant there," or 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 no, no stop signs in our community. You know, um, trees have to be looked at that same way. That they are critical to our survival, and and getting people to understand that is is really the it's it's what tree tenders ultimately want to do by having advocates in every neighborhood. You know, I could go into a Spanish-speaking neighborhood in North Philly and tell people how they really you know really should get a tree, and that's not going to carry the weight of somebody who lives in that neighborhood who's a neighbor who is Spanish speaking, to go to that same person and say, you know, you need to get a trade. And uh, so, you know, bringing it down to the neighborhood level is really important. Having people be advocates in their own communities is really important. But it's also important just to, to somehow convince people. And, and I, I tell this story a lot, so, you know, stop me if you've heard it. But I became an environmentalist um, when I was in, in, in the 1970s, when I was sitting watching TV and saw the Keep America Beautiful commercial come on with, um, I believe his name was um, Iron Eyes Cody. Uh, 
the crying Native American. The crying Native American. Oh, oh yes, 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 sure. yes. And he is the guy is it's a Native American, proud as anything, canoeing down a river, and then all of a sudden you see all this trash in the room, and then a yes. single tear going down his cheek, and and that that really opened up my eyes somehow to the fact that that's wrong. We can't do that to our planet. Yeah. And um and that's what we need. We need a we need a crying Indian for trees. We need somebody who is gonna touch mm -hmm. the heart and the mind of people and 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 kind of bring them over. Yeah, well, and the other, the other thing about that is that the new research shows and especially during this pandemic that places that that don't have trees typically have are usually more impoverished uh, communities. They're usually uh, food desert communities there. Uh, and you don't like to make the generalization, but time and time again, that's what they find that uh, more affluent communities always have trees. And, yeah. you know, you know, you kind of equate the green tree with the green money, you know, and, mm -hmm. And uh, we need to be more cognizant of, of the fact that these areas um, around the city that have been devoid of trees or denuded of trees for a very long time need to be planted. Okay. Yeah, and it goes, it, it kind of goes both ways too, that you, in these areas that low-income areas tend to not have trees and areas without trees tend not to be desirable. Uh, to either homeowners or to businesses. Right. So if you know if businesses aren't 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 finding themselves in these neighborhoods, then then uh, the the income, the uh, kind of the economics in that neighborhood aren't going to improve either. The yeah. it's it's really it's not just hearsay, but you're you're right, Eva. That's that's the way it plays out. That the low income neighborhoods in Philadelphia are the neighborhoods without trees, and in fact, we, we now have priority planting maps that we've developed that are on the, the PHS website that prioritize neighborhoods for tree planting uh, based on, on uh, canopy. Um, so low canopy neighborhoods that have high population density, low income, and high crime. And with those, we, we are able to, to pull out the neighborhoods that are the highest priorities. And so often these are the neighborhoods that, you know, they're the neighborhoods that you'd expect. That goes hand in hand with what you did as a social worker. It, yeah. it really does. It, it, it's, it's so, um, it's so parallel. It's crazy. You know, you don't, you don't really think about it until you talk to somebody like yourself who, who was working within the community and then now planting trees, you're interacting again with people and um, you're, you're making that same connection and, 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 and plants like to live in communities also. They don't like right. to be the only one there. They like to, they like to have fellow trees just for protection or for the whole idea of creating a, a plant community. Yeah, yeah, they sure do. And they like their, their roots to mingle with other trees and send messages back and forth and through roots and through the air. And they're very social, it's just like people. And you know what we find is that in, in these neighborhoods where you can plant you can plant enough trees and that it encourages people to go outside and to meet their neighbors and, and like the like the trees underground with their roots kind of coming together, the, the neighbors come together also. Mm 
and and that's what makes the neighborhood desirable and and helps it to become safer when neighbors know each other in the community then they they watch out for each other they know when something's happening in the neighborhood that shouldn't and they watch each other's kids and it becomes a it becomes a much a much more desirable neighborhood well thanks mindy you made several really great points and i love how you kind of took it to the below ground root level of trees establishing themselves below ground and the deeper relationships and tying that in in, in a beautiful way in terms of uh, how neighbors have to stay connected similarly and i guess this is something that trees teach us so thanks so much for joining us this has been great and i hope that we can get you back really soon because you are extraordinary. Thanks so much.